2: Welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. You can reach us on our new Twitter page, at Pod. Uh, I'm your host, James Vickers, and you can reach me on my personal Twitter, at underscore James Vickers, where I write for a Preston North End fan blog and talk about everything Preston North End.
3: Hi, yeah, I'm Kevin, Kevin Markey from uh, Legion United Match uh, website, uh, also League United underscore match. Um, obviously a big follower of Leeds United and um interested to see how the season's gonna pan out uh, this season.
0: Yeah, and I'm Lewis Hobbs and I represent Sheffield United on the podcast, so you can tell you'll be able to tell I'm over the moon with this podcast and you'll be able to find me on Twitter at, at underscore LH nine underscore
2: Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. I thought we'd mix it up a little bit this week, and we'll start with the topics first. Obviously, I've not planned it this way, but we've got the two of you on. Sheffield United got a fantastic win away at Leeds on the the Friday night game um, this week. I just wanted to start by talking, obviously, Sheffield United, new to the division, but one of those teams that you'd really associate with the championship. What uh, sort of has, and it'd be interesting to get your perspective on this, Kev, to start with, um, mm. What what are they doing right
3: this season, and why have they taken the league sort of by storm straight away? Um, well, obviously they've got a good manager for starters, which always helps. He's sort of been through the uh, you know the basement clubs down there, and he's, he's made his way up, and he's a big. He's a big fan of uh, Sheffield United, so he, his heart's in the right place. I think it's the continuity more than anything since he took over I, th- I don't think I think they've got more points than any other league side in in football, really, which is amazing and I think it's the continuity that he's got there you know he's got more or less the same players that he had when he got promoted, and he's kept that system going and the same sort of team ethic within the squad. And it's working wonders for them at the moment. Uh, unlike, you say, somebody like Bolton who got promoted with them, they've just sort, sort of fallen flat on the face, basically. But he's managed to keep them going. And it's amazing what continuity does, because we had the same thing when we got promoted from League One under Grayson. We were, you know, we were fantastic that season. We, we just missed out on the playoffs, finishing seventh. But we felt like we could beat anybody, even though we just come from League One. We felt, you know, we didn't feel... In, um, in inferior to any other sort of championship side. We just sort of took everybody on and we had a great season and Sheffield, fair play to them, are doing the same sort of thing and um, they're sort of taking, I think it's an unknown quantity as well, not a lot of teams know about them in the league and they're taking people by surprise a little bit. But, you know, they're, they're having an amazing season and um, obviously the top of the league and um, going all blazes at the moment.
2: Yeah, the same to you, Lewis. Um, obviously, I, I imagine you're dying to talk about this. Been a Sheffield <laughs> United fan yourself. Um, have you sort of seen this coming with sort of Chris Wilder over the last sort of year or so? Obviously, Kevin mentioned. I think the stat is that you've picked up the most yeah. points out of any football league side over the last calendar year. So, sort of, what's he doing right, and and how's he got you playing the way he has? Well,
0: what he's do, what he has done is the complete opposite to what every other manager whilst we was in League One did. We had managers like Nigel Clough Nigel Atkins. They both came into the role. Obviously, in the League One, we was one of the highest spenders, one of the richer clubs. So they thought they were going to come into a club, have that big wage, bring in some players, and and then kind of buy us way back. But that just hasn't worked. And Wilder came into the job, obviously with him being him being a fan. That helps more than anything, really. But he got he had he got his budget. He stuck to that. Didn't complain about needing more. He stuck to what he had, and he brought in players that he knew could could get us out of this division. And he's he's done exactly this this year. We've come into a division. Where we we haven't we haven't been in it in six years, it's it kind of seems like forever um, for us being in the championship. But for for more than for more than anything, it's it's the way he's man managed our bunch of players. You look at you look at our our team sheet on paper. It doesn't look like the most extravagant bunch of players. We've we've spent next to nothing in the summer with the majority of our. Um, our signings being either on loan or free transfers, and that's the majority of our squad. What stands out for me is how how he's brought out the best in players. You look look at players like Paul Coots, Mark Duffy, Leon Clark, they're considered like rejects of their former clubs in a sense. It's like Leon Clark, he's got to be one of the, the biggest journeymen on planet Earth, I think he's played for something daft like 18 different clubs and right now this is probably the best football he's been playing in his career and he looks like a top-end championship player which we haven't seen in him in years, same with Mark Duffer, he he looks like a quality player and I I honestly don't know what he's doing behind the scenes, it's absolutely, it's actually crazy to watch Um, but yeah, he's doing a fantastic job, and yeah, as I'm over the moon and legit, it could not get any better for us Blades fans at the minute, and we can only hope that it continues.
2: Yeah, definitely. Sort of looking in from the outside, I've got a few <coughs> for Sheffield United fans, and they sort of echo exactly what you've just said there. I think sort of when I've been talking to them, you kind of followed almost sort of identically, really, sort of how we did. Sort of been a Preston fan a few years ago, dropping down into League One. And getting that manager in who, uh, you know, isn't going to sort of spend the money. He's a good man manager and can get the most out of players. And you mentioned there with Paul Coots and Leon Clark, who both used to play for us, there was sort of glimpses of Coots when he was at us. And you could tell that there was a player in there somewhere. And I think now he's really starting to show that consistency, which, you know, we showed flashes of at us and he, he's been to a couple of other clubs since. And, you know, he's he's been absolutely fantastic this season. And the same with Leon Clark, as yeah, you mentioned. Definitely. He um, he looks like a completely sort of reborn player under Chris Wilder. And I think you go back to that man management. I think being a being a fan of the club definitely helps and. Sort of i 'd imagine on the training pitch that sort of enthusiasm that he brings definitely rubs off on the players um, You mentioned again, you know not spent a lot of money and he's he 's really seeming to get sort of the most out of the players on sort of a shoestring budget, as it were, sort of similar to how Grayson did with us for uh, sort of the first two years of us being back in the championship um, and then again, you mentioned he 's got sort of the likes of uh, David Brooks coming through as well young players that he 's not afraid to give a chance to when. You know, most other managers, sort of, to use Harry Redknapp as an example, sort of splash the cash at Birmingham, and they look like a team of individuals at the moment rather than, you know, a collective group of players looking to to push on. And you know, you only have to look at the league table to see sort of which philosophy is working at the moment. but obviously on the subject of David Brooks, it quite it takes us quite nicely on to the, the next topic I wanted to talk about today. Obviously the under seventeens won the World Cup for England there uh, at the weekend. And it's sort of raised a, an interesting sort of point really. Obviously it refers I'd say a little bit more to the Premier League clubs giving youth players a chance. But this season we've seen, you know, the likes of David Brooks, Josh Earl coming through at Preston. There seems to re- be a real onus, especially on the the lower league clubs, to bring through these homegrown players. Now, um, what I wanted to ask you both is: Do you think that your clubs are doing enough, and what can be sort of done differently at Championship and Premier League level to make sure that the likes of you know your Rian Brewsters and Ben Foden's don't slip through the net and end in, and end up fading off? Um, start with you first on this, Kevin. Uh, it'd be interesting yeah. to get your thoughts on it.
3: Yeah, it's difficult, obviously, for Premiership clubs. Um... To bring along youth at the moment, because obviously, the, a lot of the top clubs in the Premiership, they sort of demand success straight away, and they'd rather have players that have been around a little bit or know the know the champion, know the Premier League a lot a lot better. So the youngsters don't really get much of a look in, really, which is unfortunate. They sort of get loaned out to other clubs, but it'd be great if something can be done for these players to be kept together now, like. Like Germany do really? They sort of keep youngsters together and they sort of grow up with each other and they become a really solid um, adult team. Then, if you like, you know, when they're in the twenties, and usually it works. It's a German thing that seems to work over there, but we th- we don't tend to do things like that. A lot of these players now, we might not have even hear of them again in in five years' time. So, which, which would be really unfortunate because the it's a magnificent achievement what they've done, you know, winning, winning the World Cup at such a young age, and really you, you should be sort of nurturing these players now and making sure that they get treated really well so they can be the future of the England team. But looking at our club, Leeds, I mean, obviously we've got Phillips in the side on a regular basis. Um, Talvin Phillips is a regular this season. He's being brought through the uh, youth system, which is great to see, and over the, over the course of the last few seasons, a lot of our youngsters have done really well. I mean, we've got Fabian Delph, Delph was at uh, Manchester City now, doing great. There's James Milner at Liverpool, who's been around a long time. Uh, Johnny House has had a good career up to now. So we we sort of pride on ourselves and a lot of the youth team players that come through. So it's really great to see um, Ronaldo Vieira come through with the team now as well. You know he's only nineteen and he's got a massive future ahead of him, and he's been part of the England setup as well. So it'd be great if um, the clubs could look after these players now and really nurture them through and make sure that they become really good uh, international players for, for for the international sides. So that, you know the future for England should be really bright, really. But in your heart of hearts, you know that a lot of these players are going to sort of fall by the wayside, which no, which would be terrible, really, after such a great achievement at the weekend. So, hopefully, something can be done to keep these players going. Yeah, the
2: same t- uh, question to you, Lewis. What do you think sort of needs to be done more? Um, and obviously, the the success story really at the moment is is the one of David Brooks at you. How is he sort of? fed coming into the first team and are there any sort of other players on the cusp at Sheffield United that you'd be looking to sort of make the same impact.
1: Normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
0: David Brooks is a really weird one because before pre season, he was just another youth prospect. Like he was no Sheffield United fans saw him as someone who could push through and maybe get a first team start. Like I think last season he made the he made the first team bench like once or twice and, and, and never made uh, even like a league sub appearance. So when he got called up to the Obviously, there was the old, the Travago, where he was supposed to be going to the Toulon tournament with Wales, but then England called him up and he eventually went with England. And then he ended up scoring, I think it was seven goals in the tournament, getting um, the player of the tournament. Bef- before that, we was supposed to be loaning him to Chesterfield, and he's gone to this international tournament, Wilder's obviously seen and thought, well, actually, we've got a player in our hands here. We've not sent him to Chesterfield, and in pre-season, he was magnificent, and like you've j- just he got his first league goal at the weekend, but all around all season he's been fantastic. But um, over the past few years, David Brooks isn't like really our first. We we have been known for having a good youth system. Obviously, we've had players such as Harry Maguire, Kyle Walker, Phil Jagielka, Kyle Norton. Like we've even had like Aaron Ramsdale in recent. Calvert Lewin to Everton. Um, we, we we do we again like Leeds. We we pride ourselves on on having a good academy. We struggle to keep most of these youth um, prospects, which, is, which isn't which is good, but you're never going to be able to keep when you're sat in League One for six years. But just like, um, as, a, as a whole, I think you, you, you look at the squad which did win the um, Under-17 World Cup, and I think it's something silly, like there's only actually seven or eight teams of players in that squad I think you have you have like your top four. You have your Man U, your Chelsea, your Man City, and then there's. I know it's only Fulham and Wolves who have one player in the squad. So if that if the entire squad is only having like I think it's eight and nine, seven, eight, or nine teams from twenty three players, I don't know whether that shows obviously with us winning the tournament, we've got a good set of youth, or whether it's there's only a few teams out there that's actually creating this talent, and whether they have. Obviously, with that, your big Chelsea are a big club for having an academy. With with those having, with like your Man City, Chelsea having so much money, our England talent getting wasted because they, they, they can see this young English talent at a young age and with the money, they can splash a professional contract at a 16-year-old with the majority of Championship, League One, League Two clubs not being able to, even low-end Premiership, they can splash out contracts and then the, the amount of talent which clubs like Man, Man U, Chelsea have, it's probably uncom uncomparable. Like you could probably make a championship winning side just from these youth talent, but how many of those players do actually ever make it? You have like because I don't think many of those players who won that have, have have ever had a first team appearance. So it's 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 a tricky one. I think at Sheffield United are definitely we. We seem to have it right at the moment, but there's obviously the debate on how many other teams do have it right. And especially with Premier League clubs, it's just hard at the moment. Like you said, they need instant success for this young English talent. So maybe we are suffering.
2: Yeah, I think definitely in regards to the Premier League, it's sort of unfair on the English sort of players or, or any youth player coming through, really. Obviously, there's that onus on the, the instant success. And if you don't sort of take your chance in your first game, really, you know, you you very rarely see them again or, or sort of even if that, they're going to be sort of a bit part player. I think the real sort of success story Premier League-wise um, over the last year or so was, was Rashford E came in and, you know, made made that immediate impact and almost made himself sort of undroppable, really, while Ibrahimović was out. And, you know, getting that game time, he, he sort of really kicked on from there. But to sort of use an example in the Championship, which has, you know, been fantastic to see as as a Preston fan, is Josh Earl, who, you know, I bang on about all the time on this Championship podcast. He He came sort of out of nowhere, really, he signed his first professional contract in the summer, and then, due to injuries, he found himself you know sort of thrown in one game, and since then he's probably been our most consistent defender sort of granted he he had quite a poor game by his standards at the weekend, but you know that's to be expected from from a youth player they are going to make mistakes, and it's about not immediately dropping them and, and keeping them in sort of the team to, to learn from these mistakes, and that you know is only going to help develop them I think sort of Ben Foden at City you know he saw sort of glimpses in pre-season he was he was given the chance but then you'd like to see him now sort of really kick on I know he's had a couple of appearances on the bench for for City this season but you'd like to see him especially with City playing you know the way they are at the moment they're not going to sort of sort of feel the effects really if Ben Foden's put into a game uh, sort of at the expense of, of one of their midfielders you know I'd imagine they could play sort of one or two youth players and, you know, quite comfortably beat most Premier League teams at the moment. So I think definitely sort of mm. teams like that need to be giving youth sort of um, mm. sort of more of a chance. And sort a of this, bit, we're to be just... fair,
3: James, I, I think Conte at Chelsea's been a bit more adaptable than Mourinho was in picking some kids because Mourinho yeah. he didn't seem to pick any kids at all, basically. I know he, he signed um, a guy from Exeter for about £3 million in the summer. Um, Am- ampadu I think he 's called, and he 's picked him twice this season already, and Chelsea had four four players in the uh, who started the uh, the final against Spain at the weekend as well, so hopefully one or two of those guys might get a chance this season they said they 're not going to rush them into the team, but the way chelsea are playing you, you don 't know if they might, they might get an opportunity this season, so it 'd be interesting to see if any of those four actually get um, you know get into the match day squad this uh, for the rest of the season so it sh- it could be interesting to see if if they do actually uh, g- get a career with Chelsea really
2: yeah definitely i think you know ampedu you mentioned there has has made the few appearances so far so conte definitely thinks highly of him and you know it would be interesting to see sort of over the course of the season if he can sort of not necessarily break into the first team but sort of mm. get a few more sort of games under his belt have a good pre-season next year and, and see where it takes him and i think Obviously you can't go sort of throwing them in and, you know, expecting them to play week in, week out and, you know, just settle like that. I think it is a case of, you know, gradually introducing them. Sort of similar to how City are doing with Foden. He's he's had a couple of substitute appearances. They took him on the pre season tour. Um granted, sort of I've just banged on about Josh Hill being thrown in for Preston, but that was more so due to us not really having any left backs fit, you know, it was it was a case of he was the only option um, at the start of the season. And he's taken that chance with both hands and, you know, really kicked on from there. Um, So I do think there is sort of a way to do it. You can't just sort of throw a youth player in for the sake of it, just to say, look, we're, we're pushing our youth players. I do think it is about sort of gradually introducing them and, you know, hopefully the majority, if not all of this England Under 17 side and the under 20 side who did fantastically well in the summer as well, uh, are given a chance and uh, sort of given a real chance to push on. Um, the next topic I wanted to talk about today though and it's one that we've been sort of having a think about for the last few weeks and you know different people who've been on have, have mentioned it as well. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on who the best player in the championship is. Obviously little uh, little plug, we've set up finally, sort of after doing the podcast for about a year and a bit now, um, we finally got round to setting up a Twitter account and we wanted uh, to get your thoughts on it as well, so after the show there'll be a poll with several players on for you to vote for, but I wanted to get your two thoughts, um, we'll start with you first on this Lewis, who sort of is, is the player that sort of springs to mind in the Championship when, when someone asks you who the best player in the division is?
0: Well, Obviously, I've got an unbiased opinion and I've got a bias. I'll start with the bias just to get it out of the way. But um, for me, I watch Sheffield United week and week out. I don't I don't get to see every other um, club, obviously, like everyone else. Uh, but for me, it's Paul Cootes. People, are, like when I talk to my mates about this, they're like, Paul Cooks, how can you consistently say he's the best player in the league? But... If you watch how he just how he's dictated the game for us this year, he's next to none. He's legit. I, I'm going to make the comparison to Iniesta because he, for us this year, every every attack has gone through him. We'll pick the ball up in the defence straight to Koops. Coots' vision is singling next to none that I, anyone that I've seen in the division anyway. And I tweeted... I've, I tweeted out his stats um, on Twitter the other day, and it's actually remarkable. It's he's had something like he's had about uh, fifteen passes that have gone through him that have ended up into a goal. Um, I, I mean, um, a chance created. He's had about twelve dribbles through the midfield which have gone through him that's ended up into a goal. And I think if you've if you've played us this year. You'll realise how good, how good he is at dictating the game, and how how much of a really changed player he has become. But if I was to take a, an unbiased, um, I'd probably have to say Diogo Jara at Wolves. He's against us. We, I think we, with them having a player sent off, it didn't really give him the freedom to attack and to run at defenders what he usually does, but. Watching him on that football on five, he he looks a class above this division, and I think it was against Burton. At one at one stage in the match, he picked up the ball in his own half, and he he just ran at uh, the whole Burton team. He took on about five or six players, and eventually led led to a, a it might have been a goal or just a chance, but Nuno, um, obviously with Nuno, they bringing in all these Portuguese. Um, players he's definitely one that if Wolves don't have a close where they can buy him in January or buy him at the end of the season from his loan a Premier League club is 100% going to stop me up because he's definitely something special and with him only being with him only being young he's he's definitely he's, he's definitely eating his chance and and he's already got what like seven goals and a couple assists this year yeah definitely my choice for the player
2: yeah, the same to you, Kevin. It uh, be yep. interesting to get your thoughts as well. Uh, are there any Leeds players sort of that you'd put forward or is it players from other teams?
3: Well, yeah, obviously uh, starting with Leeds, I'd I definitely pick Samu uh, Saiz at the moment. I think he's our best player uh, currently. He sort of dictates a lot of the attacking threat that we have. Um. He's a very clever little player. He sort of draws fouls from defenders. Ultimately, they get booked from it as well, which obviously is good for us because they have to watch what to do when he gets the ball again. Um, he's chipped him with a few goals this season. He's created a lot of goals. He's, he's uh, quite a remarkable little player, really, and nobody knew much about him before he joined. And I think he's going to be. He's going to go on to bigger and better things. I think whether it's going to be with Leeds at all, I don't. I don't really know. But I think a lot of Premiership or Premier League clubs will be looking at him because he has been a standout, especially over the games that we haven't been playing that well, in. he sort of uh, stood out a lot in a lot of the games that we've lost or drawn again in this season. So yeah, he's. I think he is only going to get better this season. So I think he's going to get double figures, sort of goal-wise as well, I think, because I think he's got about six or seven already, so he's doing really well on the goal front. And he does create a lot of chances as well. So Samu Saeed, for me, from a Leeds point of view. Um, I'm going to go to an old favourite of mine now, uh, as another player. He hasn't played that much recently, but Tom Kearney at um, Fulham is one of my favourites of attacking midfield players and I think it's something we're lacking in our midfield at the moment. I'd love him to be in our team but he creates so many chances for his, for Fulham as well and chips in with the odd goal. I think he's got a last minute equaliser at the weekend in one of his rare outings this season but he's been outstanding for the last two or three seasons and I'm amazed he's not playing in the Premier League because he is, he's 26 now and he should be sort of moving on now to a, a higher level of football and I'm amazed nobody's really given him a chance um, to move up to an, uh, the top league, really. I think, I think he's uh, an outstanding player. So I think Kearney and Saiz are the two, obviously, both midfield players. Um, they're both outstanding players and they really work well together as well in a team. And like I say, it's a big shame that Kearney's not in our team at the moment. I think he'd make a big difference t- to our football currently.
2: Yeah, you've uh, sort of took the name right out of my mouth there, Kevin. I was uh, going to say Kearney as well, and um, I'm sure Russ, who appears on this podcast, would be delighted with um, <laughs> I'm you sure know he's, will, yeah. they've sort of really missed sort of Kenny. I think chatting to to Russ, sort of away from the show, he's sort of highlighted that that lack of creativity really this season. And you know, you only have to look as far as the weekend. You know, he. He started his first game since I think it was mid August. Um he comes back in, he gets the equaliser against Bolton and you know, if he can stay fit now he's, you know, on his day, unplayable really, he's absolutely fantastic sort of, to watch as a neutral and I do think sort of the majority of Fulham's success this season does hinge on him staying fit and, you know, hopefully kicking on, getting back to sort of the player he was last season and, you know, if I can only sort of push them up the division, really. Um, so that'd be my sort of unbiased one. Um, as a biased one, I'd have to go for um, Ben Pearson for us. Um, there's a lot been said about sort of his, his disciplinary problems, but you know when his when his head's on it, you know he, he's the guy who makes us tick. And there isn't sort of a player in our squad really, with probably the exception of Sean Maguire that when he's not playing, you really notice the difference. Um, as much as I rate the other midfielders who play around him when Pearson doesn't play, there's, there's that sort of guile and, and drive missing out at a midfield. And I think any team in this division, he'd be able to slot in there perfectly. And, you know, he'd, he'd look more than sort of capable in any team. Um, sort of the few games he was out just before the last international break, you know, we found it really hard to sort of transition the ball from defence to attack and it's something he's really added to his game over the last sort of six or seven months. When he first signed for us he was more of that defensive midfielder who'd who'd break up the play and get in opposition faces and, and while he's still doing that he's he's added that sort of extra string in his bow really where he can get the ball from deep and drive with it. He's got a great turn of pace, you know, good on the ball, which you'd expect coming from Manchester United and I think if he carries on the way he has done, um so granted, he's just signed a new deal with us last week till 2021, which, you know, for us is a fantastic bit of business and a massive statement. Um, but if he carries on playing the way he is, you know, there's definitely going to be people interested. And I think it is only a matter of time until he's playing sort of back in the Premier League. Um, you know, I'd imagine it won't be Man United, but definitely there'd be sort of clubs sort of in the sort of mid-table that, are, you know, crying out for a midfielder like that at the moment really sort of crystal palace springs to mind straight away um but yeah that would be my my biased one but if i was to say unbiased i'd, I'd have to choose tom kearney with we, we you kev um yeah
3: yeah I, I agree with pearson as well i thought pearson was one of the best players in the park at ellen road when we played you earlier in the season really aggressive got things moving a bit uh, didn't shirk a tackle at all. Um it was outstanding yeah. He, obviously it wasn't good for him at the end when he he got his um, second yellow but uh, overall that's the sort of player that uh, fans love to see you know uh, getting stuck in and making things happen for the team and I think he's been he's having a, a great season for Preston.
2: Yeah definitely and I think another one that we haven't mentioned and Last season he was absolutely fantastic for you'd be Pontus Janssen um, yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely fantastic last season, yeah. and you, you sort of great bit of business by you to keep hold of him, and yeah, you know I think he's going to be crucial to sort of your success this season as well. Um, I agree, yeah, James, sort of yeah, keeping it tight.
3: It's funny because he, he was criticised a lot for getting bookings last season and missing games, but this season he hasn't been booked once. Yeah, he's missed games because he, he hasn't been on on top of his game. People don't think anyway he um, hasn't been the same sort of aggressive defender that we had last season So he, he was dropped for a couple of games but Obviously he came, back, came on as a sub on Friday Personally I would have started him against Sheffield United Because I think that's the sort of game that he thrives on But hopefully he'll be back in the um, first team tomorrow Because uh, Liam Cooper's uh, injured anyway So he, he will be back tomorrow And hopefully we'll see the best of Pontus for the rest of the season
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that's similar to to Ben Pearson, really. People, you know, get on about the bookings he picks up. And I do think he's toned it in a little bit. Um, And I think some of the the things he gets booked for at the moment, and it it sounds like i am being a bit biased here, but I do think his reputation precedes him at the moment, you know, sort of 50-50 tackles and that kind of thing where where other players necessarily wouldn't get booked, but he's he's picking up bookings for him just because he, he has that sort of stigma about him that, you know, he's a sort of a dirty player and I think sort of over the course of this season, you know, he's he's well on the way to sort of shaking that off, Um, even though he has picked up quite a few bookings this season already. But, you know, if he can, well, I suppose you have to be careful, you don't really want him to sort of tone it in like you've just mentioned with Jansen but at the same time he needs to sort of stop picking up the bookings but you know that'll come with experience and it's like we said with youth players and young players you know they've got mistakes in them and, and it's about how they learn from those and that's definitely sort of evident with Pearson and he's he's you know kicking on into a fantastic midfielder but um, yeah. But yeah, what I wanted to talk about next, obviously, we've we've ordered the show a little bit differently this week. I wanted to just uh, sort of get your reports on um, the games over the weekend just gone. Obviously, so we didn't plan it this way, but Leeds and Sheffield United <laughs> played each other, so it'll be um, well.
3: I'll, I'll be just in- let I'll just let Louis just speak about the game then, really. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll take the back seat on this one. Well, we'll we'll start with Louis then.
2: Um, Obviously, it'll be interesting to get both of your perspectives on the game and sort of see where it was won and lost. But obviously, great win for Sheffield United to send them top and they find themselves still still there at the moment, uh, Louis. Um, Sort of take us through the game and who impressed and disappointed, although I imagine it'll be hard for you to to choose a player that disappointed.
0: If I'm going to be blatantly honest, um, it's a weird one because... Obviously we came out and um, we came out with the three points in a game which beforehand I would have took a point, but that was honestly one of our worst performances of this season. Wilder set Wilder has set such a high standard so far that I actually go after the game after the buzz of Brooks's goal, I actually thought, how did we come out with the win there because we actually didn't play our best football barring probably Leon Clark and Mark Duffy, and a, a very strong um, defensive uh, performance from Carter Vickers we were, we were a bits we were very sluggish on the ball Coots and Fleck, they are our they are pivotal part of our team and if if those two players aren't on on um, on their day then we we won't win it's as easy as that they are the focal point of the team and everything usually runs through those two fleck fleck had a much better game than Cooks did I, I feel he he broke down quite a lot of tackles he made some good passes he fed it to mark duffet who was the main creator but Cooks, which obviously i've been shouting on about him saying i think he's the best playing division but he did have i thought he had quite a poor game against leeds i thought usually He's he's only missed passing one or two, but he's sent to get intercepted quite often, and um, he's usually a lot better than that. But yeah, I can't I can't fault and I I can't I probably sound like such an idiot slating the team when you get three points at Ellen Road. Not I can't imagine there's many other fans that would do that. But yeah, um, if it wasn't for Mark Duffy on the pitch, who I, I just feel. Pulled the strings for the entire game, and I don't, I don't think he, he, he stepped a foot wrong for the full game. And for for looking at at the start of the season, if I was to look at the team sheet and and think if who would who would be the first person I would, um, I. Change it. It would have been um, I'd re- would have replaced Mark Duffy, which is which is weird because he's probably been our, one of our best performers this season. But it's the same with Leon Clark. And the main the main um, duel, which I think won us the game, was Leon Clark versus Liam Cooper for the full game. Um, you'll probably agree with this, but Leon Leon Liam Cooper. I don't think he could handle um, Fleck for the full game, and I, I think. Leeds went into the game thinking they play two strikers, both of them will sit and they and the two quite slow guys, and they're not going to be they're not going to be running the park as much as we expected. Clark went into the game. He's a, he's a, he's usually just a big physical presence, which he was for the entire game. But I don't think he stopped running for the full ninety minutes, and it would, you could just see. You could see the passion in him and you could see that he wanted—he wants to play for this football club and he, and he wanted to win. So, yeah, um, not the best performance, but good enough for the three points, I suppose.
2: Yeah, same with you, Kev. Um, <laughs> sort of where do you think the game was won and lost and who impressed and disappointed for you?
3: I think the game was lost as soon as Sheffield United scored in the first two minutes because every time we concede first this season, we just lose the game. That's the pattern. Unfortunately, we just fell asleep and obviously there's a habit at the moment of former players scoring against us and it happened again, Uh, Mo Barrow uh, at Reading at home and now Billy Sharp and obviously it's happened a couple of times before this season as well. So you you just knew it was going to be one of those nights that we'd have to really dig in and come back and try and get something out of the game, which thankfully we, we did get a goal out of the blue from Phillips. Uh, which was well taken, and obviously that put us right back into the game. Um, but what we did to Bristol City the week before, when we absolutely dominated the game for most of the 90 minutes, Sheffield United did to us on Friday, they sort of dominated m- patches of the game. The only time really we looked like we were going to get back in it was when sayes hit the, hit the post. If that had gone in, it could have been a different story altogether, because obviously that would yeah, have that, given us like- a bit... It might have given us a bit of momentum, at least, uh, but obviously it didn't. And uh, um, while Sheffield United were, did a lot of running in the first half, you thought, can they keep that up for ninety minutes? Really, but it's fair play to them that they, uh, they conceded. Um, we hit the post, and then then they seemed to have a second wind for the last sort of fifteen, twenty minutes. And when Brooks came on, obviously, I said to my son at the time, "This Brooks lad." I saw him play against Sheffield Wednesday on TV, and I thought this guy is going to is going to have a massive future in the game. It was so tricky; we couldn't really contain him half the time. And when he took his chance, he, t- he took it beautifully. And we didn't really have any answers after that. Really, we couldn't really get back into the game. And fair play to Sheffield this up you know, did did the homework on us. And uh, Alioski didn't get hardly get a, a chance on the on the wings. Um, like you say, Cooper was second best to Clark for most of the game. He, he, I don't think he won many headers at all against Clark. Um, all the second ball seemed to be going to Sheffield United. Uh, we we couldn't really get a grip on the game at all. So it was a perfect away performance, just like our performance, like I said, at Bristol City the week before. It's what, what away fans dream of, really. Um, your side sort of a dictating play, um, taking the pressure a little bit, and then going on to win the game, it's you know, it's um it was just one of those nights when we had a really good performance and then a, a really bad performance against Sheffield United and you know, we're just so, it's a bit of a yo year season at the moment where we're playing well one week and then not, not so well the next. So we've got to get a lot of consistency into our game to try and, you know, keep ourselves in the playoff positions really at the moment.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think Leeds should be sort of up there towards the end of the season and I think obviously Sheffield United have taken the league by storm so far and I do think sort of now people need to start sort of talking about them definitely for a you know a top six even sort of a top two challenge if they can carry on and, no, we, and we don't need sustain. to start
0: talking like that <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the same as sort of uh
2: well it's it's kind of been the way that people had been starting to talk about preston and sort of lo and behold we uh we've had two bad results on the bounce um this weekend, we got beat 3-2 by Brentford, and it was really a case of Brentford playing as our own game. Um, you know, they sat off and hit us on the counter-attack, scored three good goals, and, you know, we just looked, especially with the injuries that we've got in defence now, um, I think we've got one fit centre-back uh, for the Aston Villa game on Wednesday, which is, you know, it's going to be fun to watch, um, especially, you know, with sort of the one centre-back that we do have our fourth choice who i think has started one game this season and hardly been on the bench at all so it'll be interesting to see how he fits in um but as far as the game against brentford yeah we you know we weren't good we um we were lucky to go in at half time at one all um the goal that we scored just before half time sean Maguire, absolutely fantastic picked up the ball in his own half and ran at the Brentford defence and a fantastic finish. And he really was our only sort of shining light in the game, sort of coming back from injury. And, you know, he looks to have, have picked up where he left off before the injury at Fulham that forced him off in the first half. But, you know, second half we come out, we concede within 10 minutes when we should be looking to keep it tight for sort of the first 10, 15 minutes in the second half. We get back in it ten minutes later, and you know the old cliche goes: you're at your most vulnerable when you've just scored, and you know it happens. Brentford go down the other end, I think two minutes later, and scored to make it three-two, and you know from then we pushed, but we just you know didn't have an answer for it really. Um, disappointing, sort of. We've only lost three games this season, so can't be too downbeat. But sort of back-to-back defeats, and you know defensive injuries and sort of the pressure's really on and it's going to be sort of Alex Neil's first real sort of test now as manager uh to see what he can get out of the players and you know to see sort of just how good his management is um for this game against Aston Villa on Wednesday it's it's going to be an interesting one to watch um how, do, do how, think... did, the,
3: how did the supporters take to the defeat James after the game did they give them a bit of stick or uh, there sort... wasn't there wasn't no. too much stick. I think, no.
2: obviously, everyone, especially with the start we've had, I'd sort of love to have like the the fixture list that we've had so far in mm. front of me. But I think the only team in sort of the top eight that we haven't played so far is Sheffield United. We've played everyone else, and I think yeah. the majority of them have been away from home as well. So it makes mm. sort of the start we've had sort of even more impressive really and even though we dropped to ninth now i think a win on uh, wednesday night if results go your way and obviously that's a dangerous thing to wish for but it's still early <laughs> days i think a, a win can take us up to fourth so you know it's that tight at the moment yeah. between sort of sort of fourth down to you know sort of looking at the table now in 12th they're only separated by four points uh over eight places so you know a, a win takes you right back up there so can't be too downbeat um obviously it was disappointing to lose to brentford who you know at the start of the day were sort of just above the relegation zone but you know defeats come throughout the season you're not going to you're not going to win and sort of draw every game and you know it's about how we recover from these defeats obviously two defeats on the bounce having only lost the one before sort of the last week um you know it's hard to take but i've got every faith in the squad especially when we start to get players back fit um, our fixtures kind of ease off a little bit now. Obviously, there's no easy games in the championship, but we we've played sort of the majority of uh, sort of the top six or seven at the moment. So it will be interesting to see how we kick on uh, sort of over the next few weeks. And you know, it's it's going to be sort of Alex Neal's biggest test in his his short sort of time at Preston at the moment. Um, but that takes us quite nicely onto uh, sort of previewing games for this coming week. Every team uh, has got two games this week, midweek and then the weekend. Um, start with you first on this one, Lewis. Um, Sheffield United, sort of building on that win from Leeds, have got two sort of tricky looking games. You got QPR away um, midweek and then Hull at home at the weekend. Um, sort of, how do you see the games going and what would be your scoring sort of point predictions over those two games?
0: Yeah, it's Q- QPR away definitely is a tricky one before the um last weekend's games, I would have probably said we hundred percent need to be going leads away and looking for three points if if we'd want to be up in the if we want to be up at the top of the table come the end of the season, but with how they performed against wolves, you can't really cancel anything out. They practically played wolves at their own game, playing quite a a deep line and then hitting on the counter with with pace and and they did that, and they they managed to uh, to scavenge the two goals from from a, a, a really really good attacking side of Wolves, and and they've managed the win. Obviously that that that, that was a dream result for us because that's put us um, top, and we've stayed top from it. But um, yeah, going into going into QPR, I would definitely take a point, and that's what I do think we'll get. But I probably be a low scoring a low scoring point because i think both teams will probably go into the game with the same mentality of defence first then attack if needs be so I, I reckon it'll either be a, a good old ball draw or maybe a 1-1 going on to the sat there, we've got hull again yorkshire derby anything can happen with with Yorkshire derbies, it can it can go anywhere. are obviously the team in form going into it, as we've been with practically every game this season. So we we're probably going to be tipped tipped for either favourites or evens. And and we should we should be coming away. We've we've got the best um, home defensive record this season. We've only conceded three goals at home, and I can't see as I can't I can't see as um, conceding menet Hull aura uh, again one of the highest scorers in the league but if we set up how we've done for the for the full season I, I, I don't see how we don't come away with less than a win in that game so four points four points is what um i want this weekend and four points is what i think we'll get
2: yeah, I do think um, sort of you should have a bit too much for for Hull. You know they've struggled a little bit this season. And I do think sort of the the QPR game will be quite tricky. Obviously they'll be buoyed by the uh, the good result against Wolves at the weekend. Um, moving on to you, Kev. Um, tricky yeah. home game uh, in midweek against Derby, and then yeah. uh, following that up at the weekend with a trip to Brentford, who you know beat us and. They're quite good. Uh, I think they're unbeaten in seven at the moment. So two tricky games coming up. Um, How do you see
3: them going and what would your score and points prediction be from the two games? Yeah, well, Derby last season, I think, was one of the best uh, home performances by a Leeds team in a a long while. It was only 1-0, but it could have been a lot higher than that. So the Derby game brings back nice memories from last season. That was on Friday the 13th of January. And uh, obviously tomorrow is the 31st of the 10 so you're moving the figures around a little bit but it's it's nine months later and hopefully if we put in a display like that like we did that night we should win the game but it shows you what a funny league it is. We, we've lost five of the last seven games yet we're still fifth in the league which suggests that a lot of teams around us are just beating each other at the moment and that seems to be the case um there's nobody's running away with the sort of uh, the league like Newcastle or Brighton did last season. I think it's like you said yourself, it's down to twelve players with Middlesbrough. who obviously, will, will come good eventually. You can see that they've got a good squad. But I think yeah, um, if we play as well as we did at Bristol, but not obviously not the Sheffield United game, if we get. Um, a good performance, in I think we can take the three points against Derby and then move on to Brentford, which is obviously the final game before another international break. And Brentford really were all over us last season. The beat is 2-0, but it could have been 4 or 5-0. Yotta uh, was absolutely outstanding that night. Thankfully, he's moved on to Birmingham now. But um, away from home, we seem to be playing our best football, to be fair. We won four out of seven games away from home. Went through that nasty spell of losing at Cardiff on Wednesday and obviously Millwall, where we never get a result anyway. So hopefully we can maybe put on a decent away performance like we did at Bristol City a week or so ago and get three points there as well. I'm looking for a maximum six points, really. I think we're capable of doing it on our day if the right team turns up. And um, that'll put us in good heart for the international break and keep us in the top six and going on it, obviously to a very tricky November period, moving on to December and Christmas. So if we're in the top six come January, that's a fantastic opportunity then to try and um, get a couple of players in just to invigorate the team a little bit, because we haven't had a decent left-back since Taylor left. We need that position sorting out as soon as possible. We can't do anything until January, obviously, and we need some help for Los Ogre up front who we'll, we can't do everything on his own. The guy from Hamburg, is on loan from Hamburg at the moment, we need we need some reinforcements as soon as possible. But like I said before, we can't really do anything now until January. So if we go into the international break with six points, I'll be more than happy. Whether that will happen or not obviously is another matter. But if the right Leeds team turns up like they did at Bristol, then we're capable of getting the maximum points.
2: Yeah, and uh, finishing up with Preston, we've got two tricky-looking games sort of on paper. First of all, we've got uh, Aston Villa at home. Sky cameras are there on Wednesday night, which never uh, sort of bodes well for us. We're probably one of the worst teams to watch on Sky. It's as if we know the nation's watching and, you know, Mm -hmm. just fall apart. Um, So, especially with, you know, quite a lot of the defence out injured, the only real sort of saving grace for us is that uh, Jonathan Codger's out injured for Villa, which um, they've confirmed today. And they are looking a little bit light up front. So, you know our lack of defence against their lack of strike force. I think um, a point would probably be the sort of the result to predict. Obviously, if we turn up, sort of how we have done in games this season against, or sort of the games against Birmingham, for example, or when we beat Cardiff at home, I think we'll have a bit too much for Villa, especially with our sort of crowd getting behind us. Um, but I do think with these defensive injuries, it's going to be quite tricky. Um, so for that game, I'd predict uh, probably a score draw would be a sort of a fair result and one that I'd take now if offered to me. Um, and then going on to the weekend against Ipswich uh, away down at Portman Road, um, we're making the trip down there, so quite looking forward to it. Um, I think if we want to be sort of up and around the playoffs, need to be picking up points on the road as well. Um Ipswich has not really been sort of a happy place for us to go in recent seasons and this season Joe Garner, you know, a massive fan favourite at Preston during his time there, is playing there now. So I do or well, I can see him scoring against us, um, sort of as is the way when former players play against you. Um every time he seems to play against Leon Clark actually. Um who's obviously as Liz said now at Sheffield United he always seems to score against us. So The Ipswich game, you know, if you had to ask me last week when we were sort of fourth or fifth and they were sort of struggling in mid-table, I would have said, you know, I'd be looking to pick up a win. Um, I'm still going to say a win uh, because I was chatting to Benjamin, who sometimes on this podcast is an Ipswich fan, and he said that they've been struggling recently. So if we can pick up, you know, four points over these two games going into the... um, or sort of heading towards the next international break, I'd be sort of delighted with that and to... um, sort of stop sort of a mini rot setting really obviously we lost the last two on the bounce so it's about you know getting back to basics and, and start getting points on the board sort of by any means necessary now so four points I'd sort of be delighted with um obviously that could change if we beat filler on on Wednesday night and then go into the Ipswich game full of confidence but sort of there was if it was to judge it now and and if someone was to offer me four points now I'd, I'd be more than delighted and uh, and take that um, but with that, we're out of time. Um, cheers for joining me today, guys. If you two wanted to to let everyone know where they can find you and any projects you're involved in, now would be a good time.
3: Yeah, I'm uh, Kevin. Obviously from Legion United Mad website and uh, Twitter handle is Leeds United underscore Mad. Uh, do bits and pieces for Radio Yorkshire. Uh, You're welcome to join us, Lewis, anytime you like to talk about Sheffield United. It's usually on a Wednesday night, I'll I'll, uh, get in touch so you can contribute to the show on Wednesday if you like. And uh, yeah, everything Leeds United and um, roll on the season.
0: Yeah, and I'm Lewis and I've obviously represented Sheffield United on the podcast and you can find me on Twitter at at underscore LH9 underscore where I base just talk everything Sheffield United, throw a bit of bias in there but... If that's what you're into, I'm the guy for you.
2: Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers, where I write for a Preston North End fan blog, which is at Deepdale Digest, and I also tweet quite regularly about Bundesliga as well. So if you're into either of those, definitely give me a follow. Um, and you can check out our new Championship uh, podcast Twitter page, which is at Championship Pod, where after the show, as we mentioned earlier, we'll have a. a sort of a vote up for who you think is the best player in the championship so definitely get involved in that and if your player isn't featured on there give us a, a reply and let us know who you think should be on there and the reasons for it um, cheers for joining me today guys um, good luck in the weekend at the weekend and we'll see you next time